Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So between Durham testifying, John Durham uh, testifying about the realities of the Russia, Russia, Russia probe on President Trump and the myth of getting it started. And, of course, the sweetheart deal that Hunter Biden got. Man, that that's enough news to make you hot. That'll make you... That can make you angry, and that can make you infuriated. So I'm like, you know what? I need to, I need to bring it down a step. I just need some, some, some happy news, like, like about puppies. Oh, here, here, here's some, here's some happy news. Sure, how, how could this be bad? Following up from um, some announcements earlier this year. During the department's regular oversight of our execution of presidential drawdown authority for Ukraine, we discovered inconsistencies in equipment valuation for Ukraine. Oh. Oh, oh, we're we're talking about money to Ukraine as determined by the president. Maybe it won't be so bad. Maybe it won't be so bad. In a significant number of cases, services use replacement costs rather than net book value, thereby overestimating the value of the equipment drawn down from U.S. stocks and provided to Ukraine. Once we discovered this misvaluation, the comptroller reissued guidance on March 31st, clarifying how to value equipment in line with the financial management regulation and DOD policy to ensure we use the most accurate of accounting methods. So so the people who keep an eye on the money used wrong formulas to keep an eye on the money. Okay, all right, look, still still not a bad thing. You know, you, you caught a mistake. You caught a mistake. That's, that, that, that's a positive. Good, good on you. Good on you. We have confirmed that for FY23, the final calculation is $3.6 billion. And for FY22, it is $2.6 billion for a combined total of $6.2 billion. These valuation errors in no way limit or restricted the size of any of our PDAs or impacted the provision of support to Ukraine. And while the DOD, while the DOD retains the authority to utilize the recaptured PDA, this has no bearing on appropriated USAI or Ukraine PDA replenishment funding approved by Congress. So Congress, no, no, it's, it's the executive branch. No, no, it's just the Pentagon. Someone miscalculated $6.2 billion and that money, which is still there because you calculated the book value wrong, is still going to go to Ukraine. Sure. Everything's fine in D.C. Totally fine. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay f***ing calm! What's going on? Holy crap, I am freaking out. Only in Washington, D.C. can you create an accounting error that gives you an extra $6.2 billion to give to Ukraine. Oh! Tony, why do you drink bourbon? Oh, hell if I know. 
$6.2 billion isn't a rounding error. Well, it is in government. This is the problem, right? This is something that we can all clearly get behind. We can all get behind the idea that it's just too much spend. No, no, hold on, wait, this just in. We can't get behind that. All right. It's so it's so ridiculous. It is so outrageously radical. I love that story. I love that story. And mix that with Jerome Powell stating quite clearly that they are expecting more rate hikes from the Federal Reserve. My God! All right, it's enough of that. They know that inflation isn't going anywhere. They know it. The inflation is only going up. They are not able to stem the tide. And you've got a situation where the yield curve, the inversion, is through the absolute roof. When you take a look at where core inflation is, that 5.3, 5.4%, and you take a look at where the short-term investments are, oh, well, 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 overperforming in terms of uh, the, the, the rates of, of the long-term investments, bonds, other things, no, no one feels good about the future. No one. But Jerome Powell is clear. There's a long way to go in the inflation fight. Yet we have a, a Biden White House that wants to tell us that everything is, is good, that everything is solid, that this, that this economy is going great. I have actually exclusive audio of uh, Joe Biden speaking to his economic team. So, you know, I feel good. We keep bringing it up because it keeps having to be brought up. It isn't good. There is no good in this. There's only what is. And what is is a very long road to a better society. To a better economic society, if you will. And yet you have people from the White House, like Jared Bernstein, one of the economic advisors, going on to CNBC and making a very, very peculiar claim. Join us now, Jared Bernstein, the chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors. Jared, um, it is global. And what I don't really understand in, in the UK is why they're just now seeing uh, a peak in, in the core when we saw a peak months and months ago and, and have made some steady progress. Not enough, obviously, but what's going on globally? I guess it's supply chain and pandemic related. Uh, I think uh, supply chain pandemic, but also, of course, the war in Ukraine, that's affected economies there and here. But just based on proximity, they're going to be more exposed. Uh, it is the case that uh, at this point, um, we're getting more, uh, you know, considerably more disinflation uh, than any other of the G7 countries. Uh, part of that is exposure to Ukraine. And then I think part of that uh, is policy as well. Of course, you know, the president has really leaned in uh, to uh, uh, 
policies that are designed to help ameliorate some of the price pressures, particularly around prescription drugs, uh, maybe energy, uh, uh, insulins and things like that, obviously investments in the supply side. Uh, so I think probably both policy and proximity to uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the war in Ukraine. Jared, you still want to share with us that the reason things are problematic is because of what's going on with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And then you want to sell us that we in the United States have had more disinflation than other uh, G7 countries. That doesn't sell anybody. That there is inflation worldwide, that Europe has gone into recession, having two quarters of negative GDP growth, doesn't change our reality. That's about them. What are we doing about us? What are we doing to build our supply chain? What are we doing to bring down our inflation? Maybe if we had less spending from the federal government, but oh, no, no, we're going to put out another $6.2 billion to Ukraine. And I promised myself I was going to find a happy story. I got to admit, it's a frustrating day. Now, I'm going to get into other things. I have other things to discuss. Uh, a very interesting property tax conversation going on down in, in Texas. Uh, Trump did a second part uh, of an interview with, with, with Brett Baer. And there are places where Trump is going to take his lumps. But anybody who thinks that, anybody who thinks that Trump, because of this indictment, is out of the race, is crazy. And there's really interesting backup for this in data. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to all that. I, I, I guess uh, the, the argument to be made is that you're not crazy, man. You're not crazy. These people are. These people are out of control in telling you that everything is fine when your eyes can see that they're not. Your ears can hear that they're not. You're not crazy Hunter Biden gets a sweetheart deal and you're told that it's actually a harsher deal than if he wasn't the president's son and Republicans are just making this up the Durham report doesn't show that the FBI acted in a horrific way to which people should be fired and overhauls are necessary, but rather it's all about Durham not understanding how Trump was working with the Russians, even though the Mueller report doesn't even say that Trump was working with the Russians. What world do we want to live in? The world of the narrative or the world of the facts? Well, to live in the world of the facts, you have to stand up to the narrative and say no, and you at least have to read what the narrative is so you know how false it is, and that's wholly frustrating. You're not crazy. You're not. This is, this is all madness. This is nuts. Nuts. But you're not. I mean, when Hunter Biden's attorney is interviewed on MSNBC and says this. But, you know, what the ultimate disposition of the case is going to be up to the judge. The prosecutors are not asking for jail time. Are you concerned that the judge here might freelance? Um, I think, you know, look, there, there are documents that haven't been publicly released yet. I think people have reported what the prosecutors are asking for. I think you have to wait till the court proceeding happens to know. But 
you know, I think the judge is going to do what's fair. And I think what's fair is, you know, my client gets on with his life. I want to get to what's fair and what the GOP is saying. It's about Hunter Biden getting on with his life. Is that what's not happening? Is he not? Okay. It's just it. Poor Hunter Biden. So you're not crazy. You are not crazy. And I will tell you that there are indeed other things going on out there. Other than this, worthy of your time and attention. Like, for example, that uh, AI, artificial intelligence, has clearly shown that conservative women are more attractive than liberal women. All right, all right, all right. See, you search long enough, you can find the story, baby. It it is true. Uh, AI, uh, they find that conservative female politicians appear happier, more attractive in pictures than liberal politicos. This is an AI study conducted in Denmark. It's uh, published in the nature-owned journal Scientific Reports. First, they said that the AI could predict a person's political ideology with 61% accuracy. All they have to do is analyze one headshot. That's it. One headshot, and they're they're able to, to, to tell. The analysis found that 80% of the faces displayed a happy expression, 19% red as neutral. But for the women, high attractiveness scores were found among the model identified, meaning the computer model, identified as likely to be conservative. The results are credible given that previous research using human raters also highlighted a link between attractiveness and conservatism. That is so awesome and it has to do you understand it has to do with happiness it has to do with happiness if and we can engage this politically and i'm more than happy to do it if if we are to to look honestly and clearly and say people who are always looking for something to be wrong always looking for a way to be aggrieved always thinking that the world is out to get them and they're searching for the way that the world is getting them at any moment How could one be happy? How is it possible? How could one be happy if this is how the world is? Constantly and consistently out to get them and they have to be on the lookout for it. And if they aren't on the lookout for it, they're not actually good and decent people. How does does one experience joy in that way? And it's going to show up in your photos. It's going to show up in your photos. And that's what the AI is picking up on. And that's what we pick up on. Oh, we, didn't, we didn't need the computers to tell us. We totally knew this was the case. That's not to say there aren't attractive liberals out there. We're saying if you live a life thinking the world's out to get you, that everybody hates you, that everything is evil, everything is awful, everything is bigoted and racist and sexist. and th- There's just no way to be happy. Just can't be. I'm Tony Katz. They have not found the sub yet. And that reporting earlier today about hearing this banging... That's that's still being reported, but it hasn't even been confirmed that that's the sub. Tony Katz.
Tony Katz today, good to be with you. This is the Titan sub from the group Ocean Gate, where people pay $250,000 to go see the wreckage of the Titanic. Well, this sub left Sunday, um, and about an hour and 45 minutes into its descent, they lost contact. There is uh, a, approximately a 96-hour air reserve in the submarine, which means breathable air is going to run out tomorrow morning. That's what's going to happen. If indeed anybody is still alive on this submarine right now. I certainly hope they are. I certainly hope that, hope that they are found. Can't guarantee that's going to happen, of course. Because even if they're found, how do you get the submarine back up? I mean, it's not a massive vehicle, but it's big enough. How do you make this happen? This is a complex search and rescue. Uh, that people at Ocean Gate are blaming the United States government for not moving fast enough. Man, 27 levels of go to hell there. There's questions about whether or not the, this thing was safe, whether or not this thing had gone through any checks, whether or not anybody believed it was ever safe or they were just putting their lives into their hands and taking a shot. Just taking a shot. Just trying to get lucky that they wouldn't be on the one that... That sinks. And when I say, do we know that they're alive? Yes, we're hearing this banging. Every 30 minutes, we're hearing this, this, this banging, this, this, this ping, what have you, has been picked up by Canadian military. But it's, it's a conversation of, we don't know where that's coming from. We don't know if it's actually the submersible or not, this, this submarine. But if this thing lost power, it sank to the bottom. How hard did it hit? What what is that velocity? I don't I don't know. What angle did it hit at? What did it hit? There are more ways right now that this group is dead than alive. But you got to at least go about things like they are alive and try to find them. That's what has to happen. If this group OceanGate wants to blame uh, the U.S. government for not moving fast enough, that's gross. I saw that Representative Crenshaw was like, we have this device, we have that device, why hasn't it been deployed? It should be out there. I'm not arguing that you can't deploy the multipl- a multiplicity of things to try and help. I'm just not going to sit here and have the U.S. government take blame from this company where there are a tremendous number of questions. So we understand each other. I also uh, state again, I don't mind people being explorers. I don't mind people trying. I don't mind people putting themselves at risk. I have an issue with putting other people at risk. And someone said to me, well, Tony, there are people who sign up to do these kinds of rescue things. This is their business. I don't argue that they shouldn't engage the rescue. I don't want any of them injured because other people did something that is clearly to the the vast majority insane. When you have a search and rescue because people are on a boat and then the weather gets rough, like it's Gilligan's Island, I get it. I get it. 
This is a little different. Let me tell you about a guy who interrupted a speaker and why it is this great encapsulation of everything that's really insane. This is Tony Katz today. So I came across this video from a guy by the name of Alex Rosen. I don't know Alex Rosen at all. I, I don't know if he's at a school board meeting or or wherever he is. Um, he puts out on his Twitter profile, pedos, meaning pedophiles, hate me for this one simple trick. And I guess his thing is asking questions at events, not being afraid to ask the question, not being afraid to get in someone's face. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Nothing wrong with asking questions. Let me say it again. Nothing wrong with asking questions. And in, in, in this conversation, he is at, a, at an event and a doctor is speaking at the event and he decides I'm just going to stand up pull out my camera and ask a question. Now, I can't tell you the the date on the tweet is June 20th, 2023. So, you know, it's it's now. So, but I don't know if the video is from now, just to tell you when the tweet is cuz he's got a mask around his beard right down below so it's not over his nose or mouth i don't even know why he has the mask nobody else is wearing a mask neither here nor there so that's why i'm saying maybe there's an issue here about the timing but that's inconsequential to what the video is so here's how it goes uh ma'am i have a question uh so pfizer has the biggest criminal fine in history so how is it not anti how is it anti-science to not trust them if they're on record bribing physicians and fudging with test results, $2.3 billion fine. So how is it anti-science to simply question them? And somebody yells at him to sit down. Now, I don't have an expertise on all the fines that Pfizer has ever gotten. The question is not a problematic question. The question is not a bothersome question. Let's go over it again. Uh, ma'am, I have a question. Uh, so Pfizer has the biggest criminal fine in history. So how is it not anti? How is it anti-science to not trust them? If they're on record bribing physicians and fudging with test results, two point three billion dollar fine. So how is it anti-science to simply question them? I don't know anything about bribes. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying that I don't have that data in front of me. We leave that to the side. There's nothing wrong with the question. He asked this question by interrupting the doctor, I believe it's the doctor who's speaking. I am not saying that you have to believe what the doctor says. I am not saying you have to trust a doctor just because they are a doctor. I am not saying that. I do not believe that. But you were at an event. They hadn't yet taken questions and there you are interrupting. That's not journalism, that's activism. That's first and foremost. Secondly, it is exactly the activism we see on college campuses where the political left goes about trying to silence the political right. As a matter of fact, the doctor, who uh, I thought she kept her cool, says, I'll answer after. Can you explain that, please? 
So I appreciate your comment. I'd like to finish my presentation, and you can hold your questions. I mean, it's not going to be answered. I have four questions. So he won't take the no for an answer. I'll I'll answer after. Let me finish my presentation. She didn't say anything wrong. She didn't say anything rude. In that, she didn't say anything wrong or anything rude. He wants to interrupt the proceedings. We may agree about the madness of some of these drug companies. We might agree about the questions, the conversations about whether or not there is real trust there or whether or not we're being lied to. We could agree on a whole host of things. You're not going to get me to agree with that. When I was first coming up and learning my way, I made those kinds of mistakes. I did. I made those kinds of mistakes because I thought that's how you really confronted. It's not. It's how you made an audience go, would you just be quiet already? Would you just stop already? That's what I learned. And certainly this audience didn't want it. But a funny thing happened. She is responding, as I said. He then wants to keep interrupting, and he's wrong for doing so. And this guy in the crowd gets up and decides to go after the first guy's camera. The first guy, the guy I'm talking about, big guy. The second guy who gets up, not so much a big guy. And so you actually hear it right here. I'd like to finish my presentation and you can hold your questions. I mean, it's not going to be answered. I have four questions. Hey, I have four questions. The, the, the scrawny guy actually says, shut up, you son of a, and gets up and then grabs the big guy's camera, the main guy we're talking about. Four questions that, that didn't get answered. He not only grabs his camera, he has now got his left hand on the throat of the big guy, the big guy we've been hearing from. The big guy has the camera in his right hand. This scrawny guy has gotten up and put his hand on the throat, the throat of the big guy. The big guy is now pushing the little guy away with his left arm, and then... (laughs) The big guy pushes the scrawny guy to the ground, and then the audience is like, oh my God. So when the scrawny guy was attacking the big guy with his hand around the big guy's throat, That was fine because you were okay with physical acts to silence a guy interrupting the doctor. You didn't want to wait for law enforcement. You didn't want to engage security. You were okay with the physical act of violence. But when the little guy gets pushed to the ground for trying to strangle the big guy, then it's a big deal. Everything about this video is super weird including this guy's tweet where he write, where he puts out me getting attacked for trying to ask a question at a vaccine symposium. He was indeed attacked. But let's not think that his asking of the question was, you know, proper. Asking questions is fine. Interrupting, not so much. And, not, and when told, hey, I'll answer all the questions afterwards. 
And then you're like, no, 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 I'm still going to interrupt you because what I have to say is most important. What I have to say, the video I have to make, the post I have to put up to get all the clicks, that's what's most important. This is, this is the story. The story is not even about the subject. The story is not even about the guy who, the, the scrawny guy who tried to strangle him. The story is about I had to get clicks. So therefore, you are only there for me uh, to utilize as I see fit. Now, some people could say, Tony, the left does this all the time. What's the problem? Oh, the problem is the left does this all the time. The problem is you don't want any of this. I don't want any of this. We don't want any of this. You're asking me to say, well, what's good for the goose? I don't know these people. I don't know these people. Then you say to me, Tony, if an Antifa person was interrupting, you would be okay with physically throwing them out. I have argued before there are moments where I'm I'm fine with the physicality. For example, when these people want to destroy works of art because somehow they're worried about the environment, we can't have oil, so therefore we have to destroy the Monets. Nah, you should have a broken jaw. And you've heard me argue, if you glue yourself to the wall in protest, that's where you're going to die. Maybe you'll chew your arm, your own arm off. I don't know, but we're not going to free you. We're not going to cut you away from it. We're going to build an enclosure around you with windows so people can see what it's like to see a crazy person decay. Oh, I can absolutely get ugly. I don't condone... The guy who tried to strangle him. The scrawny dude. But I don't condone the actions of the big dude. If Antifa is being disruptive, absolutely they have to be asked to leave. If in the being asked to leave, they want to engage a physical response, you can engage a physical response. This scrawny dude didn't like that she was being interrupted. The doctor was being interrupted. But no one gave this guy a chance to leave. Maybe he keeps barking his questions and he walks out the door. Maybe there's security that gets him to leave. You went right for the throat. And the people there didn't care. They didn't care that he went for the throat. Only when he got pushed to the ground were they like, oh my goodness. That's what makes it so great. Is it okay to get physical with people who are interrupting? It's a solid question. It's a solid, solid question. Let me give you uh, what, I, what I think is the answer here. The answer is no, but. So let's say somebody's interrupting and they're walking out the door. Your objective is just get them out the door and then move on with the day. That's what police are for. That's what security is for. And if there is no police or security, you may actually have to move somebody out the door. If someone is approaching the speaker, all bets are off. Because that, the approach is the physical threat, and therefore a defense is acceptable, in my view. That may be different than a legal view, but that is certainly my view. I can only give you what is mine. But in this case, the guy interrupting is wrong. The guy who responded was wrong. The only thing that was right is that when somebody has got their arm or or their hand around your neck, you can throw that guy to the ground. 
You may have been the reason, if you will, the interrupter, but there was nothing that justifies a direct to, I put my hand on your neck. Not that I tried to push you out, which could be seen differently. Hand on neck. There's only one way to see that. The only response to hand on neck is you go to the ground, dude. I admit to you that I have used over the past two weeks some analogies that have involved a physical response, whether it be the artwork protection or or, or other things. And I get that that is not a normal style of mine, but you have heard me discuss the idea when talking about schools and protecting of of our kids uh, that I'm willing to fight about these things. And And I am very, very willing. I do not believe that violence is the answer to all things. But when people say to me, violence is never the answer, I'll say to you, the Civil War proves you wrong. Next question. World War II proves you wrong. Next question. Violence is never the answer. Violence is sometimes the only answer. It is. I think we'd be lying if if we said otherwise. I think it would be a lie if we said otherwise. But I'm not going to sit here and condone going for somebody's neck because somebody's playing the part of a fool. They weren't engaged in any physical threat at that moment. They were just being an interrupting jerk face. And he was. He was being an interrupting jerk face. I'm not going to condone going for his neck. Nor am I going to yell at this guy for throwing that guy to the ground going at his neck. I'm going to condemn him. Right? I'm not going to condemn him for throwing the guy to the ground. I think I said condone. I'm not going to condemn him for it. I'm going to condemn him for interrupting the event and thinking he was more important than the event. He didn't have to be there at all. So this whole conversation goes to the idea of how these things beget things and how they can exist together or in their own silos. If you're interrupting people so you can get clicks, man, that's... That's not where I live and breathe. Interrupting for clicks is everything that's wrong with social media. It's everything that's wrong and to reward it is wrong. You don't like someone interrupting so you go right for the physical assault and you think that you're justified in doing so because you can't control your own emotions. That's what the scrawny dude did and that's why he ended up on his ass. This whole thing, this whole video piece, which I'll post to TonyCats.com. Very, very telling. As for me, you're not going to hear me say, uh, go out there and be violent. It's just not what I do. But is there a time to fight? Which is, I think, really the point that I've been getting to over the last couple weeks. Yes. And there are things worth fighting for. I'm happy to discuss more of it. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. What I'm looking at underneath that, though, is the solidity of his support. 79% of his supporters in this poll say that he is their first choice and they will stay with him. And it is far, far weaker among his rivals, which means they may shop around. But people who are with Trump are really, by and large, not shopping. What do you think, Cornell? Uh, yeah, you know, Molly gave a great uh, analysis of, of of the of the internals here. I'm going to step back in that case and get big picture. He perhaps lost 
six points. And quite frankly, it may not be real because it may be just noise. It may just be a blip. That's right. We'd have to see over time if this is actually a trend or just a phenomenon. How rare it is to hear MSNBC get it so incredibly right. But that is absolutely correct in the one-two punch and extremely well done. I don't even know who Molly Murphy is, but she she hits it directly out of the park. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Um, Molly Murphy's point about Trump, and I'll get into this coming up in a little bit, that some polls recently show him down post-indictment. What does that matter? Molly Murphy is a Democratic pollster and strategist. Are you, are you going to believe a poll? Are you going to believe that Trump lost his base? Are you out of your head? She is not engaging an alarm of, oh, you see, Trump's done, Trump's over. We're going to not have Trump. And she's not doing any of that stuff. Molly Murphy is engaged in an actual conversation here. And for that, I am so very thankful. And even the guy who came on uh, after her, Cornell Belcher, another Democratic pollster and strategist, blip. This is exactly, exactly correct. This is rational talk. I'm stunned. Good for Chris Hayes for having it. Good for him. Amazing that it happened on MSNBC. But it it is accurate. It's a poll doesn't doesn't change it doesn't mean that trump is bulletproof and that's what i'll get into uh, i promise you i'll get into all of it find everything at tonycats.com be a part of what we do at tonycats.com it's easy to subscribe make that happen right now i'm tony Katz, and this is tony Katz today